Thank you for coming back to another episode of Real Talk with Bob and T. This is Bob. And I'm T. How's it going today, T? Actually, I'm pretty good. I need to be asking about you in that I. Yeah, yeah, these allergies doing something to me today. Yeah, so <laughs> if y'all y'all look at Bob, he looks kind of off. That's because he has really bad allergies. <laughs> I'm trying to get him to go to the allergist, but he does not want to go. Yeah. So, you know, definitely leave comments. He needs to go. But off to you, Bob. But today we have a guest with us today, Dr. Kevin Sansbury. Thank you so much for being with us, doctor. We do appreciate it. I appreciate yes, it. Yes, yes. So to tell you, when I heard about you, I think you had sent me something in Instagram. You sent me a link to your podcast. Mm-hmm. And once I listened to it and I watched it, honestly, I was like, everyone needs to hear this information because yeah. you give so much good advice in the podcast and the different guests that you have. Everyone I know has a toxic or I can't say everyone, but almost everyone has <laughs> or had or will have a toxic yeah. workplace environment. That is true. So, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, what made you start your podcast and tell us the podcast name? Yeah. Yeah. So it's the toxic leadership podcast. Um, you know, located on all the platforms that you can find the podcast on, ranging from Apple to Audible. And so, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do with this podcast is be able to lift up the voices of people who are suffering in workplaces, as you said. And you're right. I mean, most people in their career will encounter a toxic work environment and secondarily a toxic leader at some point in their lives. And I wanted to start this podcast to really be a beacon where we can provide resources, tips, and research related to what people can do to either cope while they look for another job or, you know, (laughs) or do whatever they can do, you know, to survive in that space. Because unfortunately in this country, United States, um, most if you look at the laws, if you look at policy, unless it's illegal discrimination or illegal harassment, workplace bullying is not not necessarily outlawed from a from a legal standpoint, which is a problem. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so if you if you like if you're just a jerk, that's not illegal. It's not illegal to be a jerk. Um, and I can use other words to describe that, but it's that's not that's not against the law. Unless mm-hmm. so, so unless it's some kind of uh, dem- uh, uh, you know demographic characteristic related to discrimination or sexual harassment outlawed in a policy, um, and outlawed in a, in a legal uh, code, then it won't be. It's not necessarily illegal. And so, what that does is workplaces have to then make a choice. Well, we either have to say, well, here's what our organizational culture supports, or not. But as you probably seen in your career. If that if that toxic leader is making the organization money, if that toxic leader is somebody who is the founder, if that toxic leader has some sort of power, organizations tend to be quiet. HR tends to be quiet and be be able to. Right. And so Mm -hmm. that that's the problem. And I bring on guests from around the world where we have these discussions and some of them are researchers like me, where we have done research in this area. Others are um, practitioners in DE&I. Uh, feminists, you know, feminist literature. We talked about toxic masculinity. Um, we talk about a lot of things on that, on that, on that podcast, and it's purposeful because if you look at the podcast, how many are talking about toxic leadership? It seems like everybody's talking about servant right. leadership, and right. you know, I don't, I don't meet a lot of people who have those, so that's why I exist. So let me ask you because this really, when I listened to it, it really touched home with me. You know, I have been in a toxic work environment. Um, and I, I just want to know, you know, a lot of people are working remotely now. Um, some may have gone back 
do you think that you can have a toxic workplace and it be remote? Yeah, it's actually, it actually sometimes shows up a little worse. Um, mm-hmm. here's, here's why. So if you look at the li- literature and remote work, there's this thing called um, techno stress. And what that basically is, is me being on a Zoom all day is actually stressful. Me getting slack pings when I thought I was on break is also stressful. Me getting text on the weekend is also stressful. And so you combine that with work family conflict, which is, which is another thing that shows up in the literature, meaning since I'm at home doing work, distract my, my children might become a distraction and I might see them as a distraction or an impediment to get my job done or my spouse or my dog or my doorbell, whatever it may be. And so I, I tend to, I not I, but the person that I'm, that I'm talking about will be overloaded already because of the remoteness in general, and depending on how they set their workplace up. And then if you put on top of that, a toxic leader, it'll feel worse. That's right. A lot. Right. That's yeah, a lot. Right. It's yeah. like a, com- it's like a compounding effect of stress. And then you got the toxic leader. And then you put on the fact of in general, if you have a very collaborative job, meeting remotely sometimes is less than optimal if people don't know how to meet remotely too. Right. You got to say you got to set ground rules. You got to have certain decorum as relates to how we we meet remotely. And a lot of people don't even know how to operate remotely. And so that's why you get the um, micromanaging. That's why you get. uh, That's why some organizations also track everything their employees are doing and making sure their mouse is moving every five seconds or something. You know, you get get those types of behaviors, too. And so if I were in a toxic work environment, first of all, I'd rather not be in a toxic work environment. But uh, the remote the remoteness could could be stressed, more stressful. And then on the flip side, I will say there are situations where the remoteness can help, because let's say you work in the same room as your boss and that's mm-hmm. toxic or what have you, that could also be, you know, the remote work could also be a respite. It could be a kind of a better for you. So it just depends on the situation. Right. Yeah. So talking about toxic leadership. So say a person is in a situation where it is coming from leadership and it's yeah. like the boss is the one that's just toxic, putting out the toxic behavior, just condescending, just they want to try to befriend you, but then betray you. You know, how do you handle a situation like that? Who do you go to? What would you tell your listeners? What should they do? Um, Who do you go to? I mean, that's the question. And so there are a lot of avenues people can take. Um, I'm going to give you a bunch. Uh, First, starting off with. So one thing that a lot of people don't realize is. Many times uh, I've, I've done I've done I've worked in HR and I've had to work with like the EEOC and things like that. You know, one of the things that came up a lot is did that employee utilize the resources that they had available to them? Mm-hmm. And so that, that that companies bring that up as a defense, like, oh, they didn't go to HR. So how are we supposed to know? Oh, right. How right, right, right. 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 So so so, so to avoid all of that, I always recommend if people have a HR contact or a hotline, they can call or somebody they can trust and be like, look, something's not right. And I just want to have a conversation about it. Um, I'd recommend doing that because you never know. And one of the things I want to tell people is there, you know, you might say, well, wow, you know, why would I go to HR? It don't, it's only just this one time or it's only just it's, it's only just happened like to me. And da, 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 da. a lot of people don't realize HR may have had complaints from a lot of people from about that person. That you don't even Absolutely. know. Right. right. So, yeah. so, yeah. So that could be a thing. And so I'm not going to I'm not going to say like that's not an option. I am going to say that is an option, but I also recognize the stigma that human resources has to a lot of people and why they wouldn't go. So the next step for those who wouldn't go there, I would recommend if you have a third party like ethics hotline, 
I'd recommend if you have a, a ombud service and an ombuds is basically a person who is a third party neutral neutral office you can go to uh, to get advice and you know provide like conflict resolution support and stuff like that. Not a lot of organizations have it, but if you have an ombuds, yeah. I recommend doing that because if you look at the right, the ways an ombuds service is provided, they actually don't report to HR. And so oh, that's neat. That's, yeah. that's actually reassuring to right. people who fear like if they go to HR, they may fear their job or, Correct. you know, they may feel that they're going to be treated differently. So that's yeah. good. A lot of yeah. employees yeah, so if you had a, so having an ombuds service would be important, and that's beneficial for a lot, lot of folks. Um, EAP. Sometimes people need people may not. Sometimes the solution may be psychological, and I need just mm-hmm. to talk to somebody like that, right? So many uh, employee benefits plans have what's called an employee assistance program, which is an EAP, and they're basically therapists, social workers, psychologists, and all that kind of stuff, where people can actually go talk to somebody about how they're how they're doing, and, and that might help somebody in their time of need. Right. Uh, right. So EAP is also utilized for if your dependents can use that too. So I always recommend that mm-hmm. as a resource. So then we're getting into like the toxic person themselves. So one thing people could do is confront, um, you know, so if there isn't, if there's a situation with a toxic leader, uh, confrontation, and I use the word confrontation just to mean like I can address whatever that toxicity is. And if it is, you know, I don't, I don't appreciate the way you took my credit for my, uh, for my success in this meeting, this, this project, yeah. right? Right. We hear that a lot. Yeah. How, how can one have that conversation without retaliation is the problem. That's what you have to look right. out for. Right. And so typically ge- ge- the general kind of rules related to having conversation when there is power asymmetry, meaning there is a difference in power between me and another person. A few things you want to always be able to control the space. And so I always recommend having that conversation and meeting in a in a location that is neutral. And so right. don't go to their don't it's not in their office. It's not like it's somewhere neutral. Like, hey, right. Can, can yeah, we just have you know have control in their office? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, mm-hmm. hey, can we have this conversation? I would also recommend if you can, you have to know, you have to know the toxic leader's triggers. And so if that toxic leader's triggers is they they communicate in a very knee-jerk reaction type of space. Mm-hmm. Put it in, put it like send them an email first about, about, you know, hey, I want to have a conversation about the meeting da, 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 to try to get rid of that knee jerk reaction. Let them have mm-hmm. let them have that on their own, because if they have it in front of you, it's going to be more toxicity. You don't want to get yelled right. At, right? right. So let them have that on their own. Um, after after you figure out how you're going to deliver the message, uh, you have to be mentally prepared for you have to have whatever. Like, what is my like kind of know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Mm-hmm. Don't walk in there expecting them to understand exactly what you said. Don't walk in there under. Don't walk in there assuming they're going to um, agree with your perspective. You need to walk in there with a mission. My mission is I need to share the impact of what occurred. Right. And, if, and if you and if you because a lot of people a lot of people worry too much about I need to convince them or they that they need to believe what I said. Well, if they're already mm-hmm. having some psychological um, differences. Uh, that you you can't bank on that. Don't bank on that right. as, as don't yeah. So bank on success as I need to get my point across and share the impact of X. Mm-hmm. One thing I always recommend is after you meet with somebody, put it in writing. And the way I recommend doing that is after I meet with somebody, it's like, hey, thanks for that conversation about X, Y, and Z. Um, 
I really, I really enjoyed speaking with you. And then if they, if they said something, you know, I really appreciate, you know, you, I really appreciate the notion that, you know, you'll, you'll look to me to share my project proposal in the meeting, you know, whatever that, whatever the solution is, whatever they were like, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I won't do it again. Type of deal. Put that all in writing and email it to them. Be like, hey, I just want to thank you again, because what you're doing is twofold. You're showing gratitude, but you are also putting a date and time stamp on a conversation you had. Right. Right. That they can't deny because, hey, hey, it happened. I yeah. sent you the email. Yeah. And so imagine if after you had that conversation, all of a sudden you got some coaching about your attendance or you got coaching about something all, of, you know, out the blue and HR talking to you. You're like, wait, what? They, they just start talking to me about something I've been doing. Mm-hmm. But it, it must, you know, in your mind, you're like, it must have been because we had that conversation. Right. Yeah. But now that you have a date and timestamp of the conversation, you can actually prove what happened and everything happened. And so if you want to protect yourself against that in that same message, you could put something like, hey, um, if your recollection of our conversation differs than anything I said above, let me know. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Yeah. So that that's actually I was going to bring that up because it was one of your uh, podcasts that I was watching and you were talking about keeping a paper trail. Notes, write notes, you know, any conversation, even if it's just notes to yourself, you know, write. This is what happened on this day, time. So you can have a paper trail and correct me if I'm wrong, if I, you know, that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. And it's important to have documentation because one of the things that I want to tell people is we're all fallible. Our memories are not good as we think they are. And so, A, you need to get yourself in check and make sure you have documentation on what happened. Because if you're in a traumatic experience and if you're trying to deal with a toxic leader, the first thing to go is your cognitive ability. (laughs) You're not going to be able to remember stuff because you're going to be too busy. You know, you're going to be in survivor mode. And and when when we're in survivor mode, we get less creative. We, We take less risks. Uh, we tend to be foggy in the morning and we tend to be irritable and all of those combined, you want to make sure you have your memory in check. And so I recommend people just taking notes of what they said in meetings or what, what happened, what day something Mm -hmm. happened, because a lot of times we tend to mix dates and facts up. And this is the best, best optimal time to be factual is when you're dealing with a toxic leader. Right. Now, do you think that people may not even realize they're in a, just like a relationship that Mm -hmm. they may not realize they're in a toxic um, work environment that, Absolutely. you know, they could be getting headaches, could be feeling a certain way and just not knowing what it is Yeah, and not knowing, Hey, I'm, I'm in a messed up work situation yeah. and I need to get out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of that is systemic in, in the United States and our culture of work, we've kind of systematized toxicity work and thrive. We've kind of created, I mean, that's why we, we don't have laws against it. We've created systems where a lot of this stuff is just thriving and lip service is kind of a, the name of the game a lot of times. We've also, we also, sometimes people have a, self, a sense of self-worth that's a little lower than, than necessary to, re- to realize they're in a toxic work environment. And what that means is I may have low self-confidence or low self-worth to the point where I'm like, this is just how work is. Or, yeah, uh, yeah, and this is just what I deserve or whatever that may be. And so I'm going to put I'm going to put up with it because I can't do any better. And so one of the one of the things that I I tell people that I coach one on one is we part of part of getting out of toxicity is recognizing that you can do better and recognizing that you are above it and you're not part of it. Right. And and I think of a lot of people are introspective about that. 
they'll they'll leave their jobs more than likely um, mm-hmm. because there are there are countless other opportunities that people can take advantage of. That one job you have is not the job. Uh, if it's toxic, it can't be a dream job. I'm sorry. Right. You, you're in a you're in a nightmare. And you just don't realize it. (laughs) Yeah, you got to know your worth. I mean, I I feel as though people don't know their worth. You know, you it's like you settle. Some people settle in a relationship when it comes to like husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend. You just settle. And some people just settle on work because it's like, okay, well, this is paying $20 an hour, you know. But yeah, they have to know their worth. You have to know you should not have to settle and you shouldn't be treated. And when you think about it, your job is also a relationship, you know, somewhat. Yeah. But unfortunately, with with work, we like to we like to exchange trauma for money. And that needs yeah. to be we need to we need to do something different. Yeah, that needs to be resolved because it's not healthy. Yeah, not at all. My opinion, it's not healthy. So yeah. you are a behavior scientist. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners what that means? What, what do you do? Some people yeah. may not know. Yeah. So um, a lot of a lot of behavioral scientists work with they're most known in the area of working with children um, with autism and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. My area of expertise is actually in organizational behavior. And so all of the behavior I work when it work in is within the organizational context. And so I originally went to school to uh, study serial killers. That was actually what I, what I really wanted to do. As oh, wow. Did. That's that yeah. deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but like like I tell people, I'm not actually far off because, you know, I could have studied psychopaths. Uh, but now mm-hmm. I study I study stuff like something called corporate psychopathy, which is actually the same thing, basically. And oh it's actually very similar traits of, you know, antisocial behavior and things like that. But mm-hmm. in the workplace, I, I study narcissism. I study Machiavellianism. And wow. I study a, I study a lot of uh, abnormal psychology as it relates to behavior, and what I do with with what I do is utilize these negative behavior traits in the workplace, and I make change in systems and policy and things like that within the company. And mm-hmm. so I can you know I can do that in a number of ways through creating new policies and working. I have some HR people that I coach. I also have some CEOs that I coach. Uh, I also have um, various director level individuals I coach, um, but I can do it at the individual level or I work with organizations across the country related to like policies, training and development, leadership development too. And so I kind of utilize a lot of my, um, you know, knowledge and expertise in that area, behavioral science. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, true. I think every company uh, needs someone like you. <laughs> yes, to, to speak with because- yeah. uh, their employees may be going through the same situation. Yes. Yes. Right. And they don't want to say anything. So I honestly, yeah, I think that third party coming in, someone that's like neutral that you can just sit down and really open up with, I think companies need. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I actually have, um, I have a few contracts with companies where like, that's kind of, I'm kind of ad hoc, meaning like, Employees have my all my, my hotline. Employees have my, my email address. Employees have all my contact information. And basically, I'm contracted with the company, and employees can sign up with me whenever they want to, as it relates to third party resolution and things like that. So that's oh, great. that's helpful. You're a busy yeah. man. So, yeah. how can our listeners find you? I mean, I know we talked about the toxic um, workplace leadership podcast, yeah. but how else can they find you? And are you on YouTube? Yeah, yeah. So the Toxic Leadership Podcast is on YouTube, um, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, 
And then I'm Dr. Kevin Sansbury, and I'm on LinkedIn as Kevin Sansbury. I'm on Instagram. I'm on all the sites too. Um, the fastest way to reach me or the most efficient way to reach me is going to the toxicleadershippodcast.com because that's the hub. And that we have all oh, my One more time because you cut out. Sorry to cut yeah. you off. You oh, no, out. no, it's from It's the uh, toxicleadershippodcast.com. Mm-hmm. And that's the okay. that's the has all my contact information too. All right, yeah, that's how I found him from the DM. And then just watching, guys, honestly, go over there, check him out. If you're in a toxic work environment, <laughs> this is yeah. the man that you need to listen to. Absolutely, honestly. absolutely. And, and the information that you just gave us is priceless. And I'm sure that if someone is going through something, uh, you can they can you they can reach out to you one on one, and they would get even more information. Absolutely. All right, Bob. You got any fun words for us? Uh, well, no. Well, thank you so much for <laughs> listening to Real Talk with Bob and T. Uh, and thank you, Dr. Sansbury, for being a guest. And we, you, we can always be reached out at yeah, Real Talk. Yeah, we know Talk. you're having a bad day today. You can't even get <laughs> <Bob> out. <and T. laughs> <laughs> Real Talk with Bob and T at gmail.com. If you would like to make any comments, or if you have any ideas of anything that you would like us to do or to go over for you. And uh, always, as always, I always say, live, love, laugh, and pray, everybody. Enjoy, y'all. But Bob forgot to tell you, you can reach us on Instagram at real underscore talk BT. It's okay, baby. I got your back. <laughs>